Chapter 1 Good Friday In a cramped little bunker beneath the Canadian front-line trenches, 24 hours before Harry Moss began his new chapter, another young man ready for what figured to be his last. At 28, Lieutenant David Durant looked a decade older. God damn, but he was tired. Fatigue was understandable. The road he walked that brought him to this juncture had not been a particularly easy one. Each step along the way had taken its pound of flesh and led directly to this moment, seated at a small desk, next to his lice-ridden cot, using shaving soap and a straight razor to attack the last of the stubble on his neck. He had come to journey's end, all signs pointing to that end being precipitously nigh. Tired was the fucking understatement of the year. Duran took a deep breath and focused on not slitting his own throat. Wisdom said that someone else would save him the bother. And soon. In the distance, the concussion rattle of the big Canadian guns careening shells into the German lines created a steady underpinning of rumbling vibration. A summon storm on the not-too-distant horizon, meeting out a molten steel hell on earth. The bass note of the distant explosions trembled the kerosene lantern hanging from struts that made up the roof. Its light illuminated walls of corrugated tin and thin pine planks shored up by wooden beams. A haphazard handful of shelves had been applied to the construction, and they now bore a smattering of useless personal effects and other bits and bobs. A six-shot Webley revolver dangled in her polished leather holster from a nail tacked into the wall. As Durant paused to wipe a line of soap scum from the razor, his eye caught and stayed for a long moment with the pistol. Its Damoclean weight pulled the belt top. A ridiculous thought occurred to Durant. The sidearm suddenly seemed to bear a tremendously outsized weight, a weight that, should the little iron nail fail, would wrench the pistol from the wall, through the mud floor, and down, 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 lancing through crossed lithosphere, asthenosphere, mantle, and outer core. The weight of its sins banished into the fires, of Earth's roiling iron heart. Durant shrugged off the momentary fancy. The pistol was not the one carrying weight. When the war had come calling, he let it sweep him up in its bloodthirsty embrace and carry him here to this moment. The army, by its very nature, had relieved him of any need to actively choose his own course. But inside, he knew he could not just chalk this shit show up to flag and country. He looked in a hand mirror at a face he did not recognise as his own and thought of all the rather poor choices he had made that brought him to this precipice. He was walking the razor now, and the next step was definitely going to take him right over the edge. He had no one to point the finger at but his own sorry self. Seated on a stool behind Durant was his senior officer, Major Charles Stanford. Chalk could not for the life of him recall feeling as uncomfortable as he did in this moment. Chuck was, after all, a polite gentleman Canuck from Ontario. His London-born parents had settled on a lake, just south and west of Toronto proper, in 1887. Chuck's people still carried themselves with the apologetic attitude of territorial subjects of the king. But Chuck, in a turn that would shock his mother, had begun to question that fealty. His recent experiences 
leading a Canadian regiment at the mercy of British High Command, had begun to give him second and third thoughts on the wisdom of subservience. Fortunately for his mum, second and third thoughts were the apex of his capacity for rebellion. He would remain a good son and subject until his dying day, which, unfortunately for Chuck, was coming soon. Blissfully unaware of that fact, he watched his junior officer shave and absently played with the buckle on the shrapnel helmet in his lap. So, regiment's ready to move out, said Chuck, apropos of nothing. Durant nodded. The artillery rumbled distantly, the stubble on Durant's neck succumbed to the straight razor. Chuck chuckled a little too loudly. <laughs> You're just a bundle of nerves, aren't you there, eh? Durant's return smile did not hold very much in the way of mirth. There was no humor or bravado beneath it, just a settled resignation. He knew what was coming, and he knew there was nothing he could do now to stop it. So he just carried on with his shave. When Chuck spoke again, it was with marked sadness, and the underlying sentiment was genuine. I admire you, David. I hope, under similar circumstances, my attitude would be the same. Durant finished shaving his throat. He had come through the ordeal unnicked. I imagine it would. Chuck took what comfort he could from Durant's assessment of his courage, whether it was true or simply kind. What can't be cured must be endured, Chuck said. That refrain was one of his dimwit father's cherished favorites. He took his old man's flask out of his jacket. Taste of home? Durant glanced at the tarnished silver affair. Nothing to lose. Sure. Chuck pulled beat-up tin cups from the makeshift shelf. He had been longing for this moment. A little anesthesia could not possibly hurt. He twisted open the flask, emptying its contents into the pair of vessels. I've had supply double the rum ration for your boys, before things kick off, you know. Durant accepted a proffered whiskey. He sipped. It was surely fine stuff. Better for their morale than my well-groomed mustache. Chuck's laugh was loud and hollow. There was a distinct embarrassment underneath it. <laughs> Can't let our standards slip, eh? Chuck drank deeply. The alcohol did not warm or comfort him, as he had hoped it might. He ran his fingers through his thinning hair. It had been thick and black in 1914, but three years on, what was left of it was lank and grey. He looked like a scrawny version of his goddamn bald, stiff upper-lipped English bulldog of a grandfather. He sighed, and the alcohol loosened the seditious truth. These British bastards. Levy breaks and we're their little Dutch boy, jamming up the hole with our pinky fingers in a bale of barbed wire. He looked up at Durant, embarrassed by his own honesty. Sorry. Durant shook his head, dismissing the apology, and then he need for it. Chuck stared into his tin cup at the brown spirits. I guess I should say you are their little Dutch boy. Durant had another taste of Chuck Stanford's club whiskey. It was definitely the good stuff. What cannot be cured, Durant said. Chuck Stanford smiled and laughed weakly at the echo of his father's impotent aphorism. He scratched at his scalp and rubbed at the headache that was developing beneath it. I don't need to tell you this, but I feel it's my... <laughs> Duty. Uh, duty. When he got to the pith of it, he could not quite look at Durant. Hold at all costs. 
hold until relieved, or to the last man. Durant knew what was to come. He did not plan on faltering. Yes, sir. He finished his whiskey, then wiped the last remnants of shaving soap from his cheeks. Chop pressed on. He found it was easier now that he had begun. Stick to your guns, come hell or high water. If we can move the regiment safely, we'll be back to relieve you. Durant cleaned the razor. He had the dawning realization that what Chuckles was here for was to give benediction and receive absolution. The whiskey had served as a reasonable benediction. Unfortunately, absolution was not Durant's to give, so he gave Chuck the best response that he could. I understand. Durant's statement did not absorb Chuck's oncoming headache. It actually made it throb a little worse. So Chuck finished his portion of the whiskey, hopeful that the alcohol would relieve him of the need to be absolved. Alas, it did not. For a moment, as he felt the featherweight of his empty flask, he regretted sharing with a dead man. Quick as he could, Chuck banished the thought. Bad form, that. Chuck stood. The only words that came to the forefront of his brain seemed simple and ludicrous, but they came out anyway. Good luck. Lieutenant. Major Stanford saluted Durant crisply. To his great joy, the detachment of the formal gesture did more to absolve him of responsibility than no whiskey had. The salute passed responsibility back to God, and duty, and honor, and country. Four words that Chuck would have had a fair amount of trouble defining if anyone went to the trouble of asking him what they actually meant. Durant returned the salute and they regarded each other for a moment. In that breath of time, Chuck went cold. All his momentary joy sucked away. He felt stripped naked, full certain that Durant was taking in all that there was of him. And he knew Durant saw, engraved at the foundation of Chuck's earnest care and sentimentality, were nine simple words. Thank fucking Christ. It ain't me in your shoes. The shame of that revelation rushed through Chuck. He did not say anything more, and there was nothing left to say. Chuck grabbed up his shrapnel helmet. He ducked through the blackout curtain, heading quick into the cover of the trenches and the darkness of the night.